Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. For this time together this morning, we thank you for the opportunity to gather around and to learn more about you. It's been a privilege and an honor uh, to serve you, even when the church doors are closed, the facilities are shut down and we're banned from joining in our larger groups. Uh, your word is still going forth, and we know that you've made preparation and have prepared us for such a time as this so that your word is not preempted, it's not stopped. Uh, we trust the word. It says your word cannot and it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you send it forth to accomplish in the name of Jesus. So I ask that you think through my mind and speak through my lips this morning words that will edify, exhort, comfort, and provoke change in the lives of each and every individual here this morning. We praise you. We give you thanks for it. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. We welcome the gallery here this morning as well. Good to see you all. All right. Well, let's get into the word. We're going to talk about the power of hope this morning and uh, continue from last week. And I think we laid a pretty good foundation last week about what is hope. And so let's continue in that vein uh, this morning as well. And we'll give you a couple of scriptures that we started out with. Um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, it talks about the wise man builds his house upon the rock and the foolish man builds his house upon the sand. And when the rains and the storms came in, uh, the storms came and it caused that house to collapse which is where the song that we, uh, we led off with, a great uh, hymn um, that, w- that those of us that grew up in church uh, sung, we said that the word, the original name of the song was the immutable basis for a sinner's hope. The immutable, unchangeable basis for a sinner's hope. We know that song as the solid rock or uh, my hope is built on nothing less. And so real quick, I want to just go through uh, the stanzas, not the, not the solid rock part. But it says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. This is so doctrinally correct and so biblically sound that there's really nothing that can change or take away from this. It is a wonderful piece of work, and I believe given by the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to actually talk about the latter part Uh, the last two uh, stanzas of of this, it says, his oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And we're really going to vet that this morning and and give a good explanation as to what that means, because it's powerful. The other scripture we looked at was Romans chapter 5 and verses 3 through 5. It says, We can rejoice 
too when we run into problems and trials? How many, how many of you feel like rejoicing when you run into trials and problems? Uh, not many, but the Word of God tells us we can, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. So that means that there are other hopes that lead to disappointment. As a matter of fact, the contrast of hope is that it doesn't come through. Because many hopes are simply wishes. I wish this were to happen. I wish this comes to pass. But this is a different kind of a hope. This hope, it says, does not disappoint. So there are hopes out there that disappoint. There are things out there that cause us to, ah, it didn't come through. But he says this is not that kind of hope. And so we want to examine what that kind of hope is in the Word of God. We said uh, hope, hope is this. Hope is the looking forward to something with someone with some reason for confidence, respecting, uh, for expecting fulfillment, hope and expectations. It is the surety or the guarantee of fulfillment. It is the confident expectation. It is a present, present tense reality of a future outcome. It is, it is, hope is having God's word and God's promises. So, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, says this. It says that don't, get, don't forget that the Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. You were proud of their, of their circumcision, even though it affected only uh, their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. Okay, listen. You were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. So we can infer that having no hope is connected to not having a covenant and not having promises. But he says, but now you have been united in Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. And so today we are going to look at what it means to be brought nigh by the blood of Christ and have these wonderful and precious promises uh, given to us. So hang on to your seats because we're going to go there right now. What is Christian hope? What is Christian hope? Christian hope is founded on the promises of God and on the resurrection. It is, number two, it is based on the faithfulness of God. So let's look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 18. Romans chapter 4 and verse 18. He says, even when we were no, when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. In the New uh, King James Version, it says, Abraham hoped against hope. In other words, he hoped against, against 
something that really had no uh, evidence of ever being able to come to pass based upon the age of he and his wife, um, Sarah. So he hoped against hope. He kept hoping, believing that he would become father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham was never, never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Now, when you, we hear that story, we, we, many times we'll look at Abraham and say, Oh, man, I wish I had that kind of faith. I wish I could have that kind of faith. And, and we wonder how Abraham was able to have that kind of faith. And remember, Abraham was not born again. Abraham didn't have a spirit uh, that was connected to God that creates faith. He, was just, he just took God at his word, or did he just take God at his word? I'm asking, did, did he really take God at his word, or was there something more to it? You know, as many times we, uh, we, we would take a person at their word, if we have some history with that person, and that person has been faithful over a little, while, uh, little bit of uh, time. But I, I want to know why Abraham, why this man believed God? Did he just hear the word of God? Did he just hear God say something and just say, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to believe you, God. Let's go. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Is that what he, was that, is that what he did? No, he did not. Listen to this. I'm going to show it to you in Scripture, and then we're going to bring it into the, the New Testament. Uh, Romans chapter 4, we already read that one. So we want to find out, how was it the, uh, that Abraham started out in faith and continued and grew in faith? Genesis chapter 15 and verse 4. Genesis 15 and verse 4 says, Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Now, it's interesting here when we talk about uh, God talking to Abraham and he's telling Abraham uh, how many uh, descendants he would have. And he told him that the child that he had by his, uh, his, uh, his uh, slave girl, um, it would not be his heir. Uh, as a matter of fact, when we talk about the, the, the children of Abraham, uh, really the children of Abraham are not all the children, that, that, though they are, the, the children of covenant are the ones who were specifically uh, from Abraham and Sarah. So a lot of people will claim, well, Abraham is my, we have Abraham as our father, and Abraham is our father. Even uh, and in some of the Islamic religions, they'll say, well, Abraham is, uh, we're related to Abraham. Not like, not like uh, Sarah and Abraham's children. He didn't make a promise to them. So they really had no promise. So he made some things he said to them, but not like he said to his own children. And so there's a, a clear separation, if you look in the book of Romans, a clear separation between the children of Abraham and Sarah versus the children 
with Abraham and, and his uh, concubines and his slave girls uh, that, that he had. So the, the distinction is one of them had a promise and one of them did not. One of them had a, a covenant and one of them did not. That's the distinction. That's why we cannot be compared to other religions. And no other religion can compare to us because no other religion has a covenant with God through Abraham. We're Abraham's seed. We're Abraham's seed singularly through Jesus Christ. There, there are no other seeds out there that are connected to Abraham relative to the promises of God. Does that make sense? So we saw that part right there where God gives Abraham a promise, or Abram at that time a promise. In verse 8 of that same chapter of 15, it says, but Abram replied. Now, he's given him a promise. What was the promise? The promise was, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. That's the promise. Verse 8 says, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? How can I be sure that I will actually possess it? And the Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them, but he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away as the sun was going down. Now, when we read that, uh, especially in a Western mindset, it means absolutely nothing to us. If you just pull that out of Scripture and not know the background behind it, you're like, well, what does that got to do? Kill a, kill a, 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 a lamb, a, a, a turtle dove, all of those things. That makes no sense to us, but it made sense to them. And it made sense to Abram. Abram says, you know what, hey, how do I know? You gave me a promise, but how do I know that you're going to keep this promise? How do I know that? It's like this. If, if someone said, hey, listen here, uh, I'm going to do this for you, um, and, and someone said, how, how, how do I know you're going to do that? I tell you what, I'm going to leave you my uh, car, or I'm going to leave my wallet, or I'm going to leave my whatever. In other words, I'm going to guarantee you that I'm going to do it because I'm going to leave you something of value to me. Does that make sense? In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make sure you know that I'm about business because I'm going to leave you something of value. And again, we don't really think in that manner. We, we, we think a little differently. We don't definitely go out and cut something up. But you'll see all through the Old Testament where they would go and they would make these covenants and they would, they would make a promise and they would do something right after they make the promise. Uh, like they would, they would uh, take some lambs and they would kill the lambs. And they would do this so that the other party would know, you mean business, don't you? You, you mean, and so what does the cutting mean? When, when God cut this covenant with Abram, what exactly does it mean? God is basically saying, hey, I'm putting my life on the line for this. 
I'm, I'm swearing by my own name. And if I don't come through with this, I, I, must, I must destroy myself. Think about that for a minute. The, the cutting, the destruction of the animals is, is saying to Abram, hey, you just cut covenant with me. And you're saying to me, based upon this covenant, that if you don't fulfill your part, you must destroy yourself. So no wonder Abram, Abraham, believed God. He didn't do it blindly. He based it on something more significant than even just God's word. He said, he said, okay, how, how do I know? How do, how do I know you're going to keep your word? How do I know you're going to do this, God? And God said, here, here here's what we're going to do. So let's read uh, into this a little further. Where do we get to? Genesis chapter. The end of, part of, uh, end of that is this. Um, okay. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down and, uh, to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away as the sun was going down. Abram fell into the deep sleep, and, t- and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. And Genesis chapter 15, verses 17 says this, After the sun went down and the darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant. The Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants, and all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, the land now occupied by the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So he said, I made a covenant to you, and and you know now that I'm going to keep my covenant because I made a, uh, I cut the animals in two and I walked through them and Abraham's oh oh yeah I'm familiar with that I'm familiar with the language of covenant and so what I'm asking us to do this morning and uh, those of you that are listening to us I'm asking you to consider what God has done for you you and so that you can ask the same question of God how how do I know that you're going to keep your word how do I know that you you're going to do what you said you're going to do God and God is generous. He shows us in his word just why we can trust his word, why we can count on God to come through for us. It's not just, oh, we're just supposed to believe God's word. We're, oh, God will supply all my needs. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank God he's going to supply. But we have no foundation for that promise. What is the foundation of the promise that says, I know he's going to do it. I know he's going to come through for me. Well, how do you know that? Uh, Because the preacher said it. That's not good enough. I heard it one time. That's not good enough. There's got to be something more foundational than that. Otherwise, we're just steeped in religion. 
It's just steeped in, oh, come here, come there, but it, it doesn't motivate an action because there's nothing that, that penetrates beyond our minds that tells us that God really is going to do what he said he's going to do. So most of the time, what are we doing? We're a hoping and a praying or a wishing. We are wishing and a wishing and a wishing. Oh, God, I hope this will happen. Oh, God, I'm, I'm certain. And that's why we go back over and over and over again asking God over and over again God will you please do this God please do this God please do this and God's like do you not understand I've made a covenant with you you have a contract with me you don't need to come back and forth and ask me for something over and over again that's why he says believe that you have received it and you will have it based upon the promises or the confidence we have in the promises based upon what Jesus has done for us Many times we've relegated Jesus down to, uh, to no more than just, yeah, he's my Savior, and he, uh, he washed me clean, and all that. No, he is, a, a, he is the lamb that was slain for us. He is a covenant. God is a covenant-keeping God, and we're going to see that in Scripture. All right. So that's why we know, listen, we're going to go to the other side of this corona thing. You understand? We're going to go there, not because I'm saying it, but because we got promises from God. We got the word of God on our side. And he's cut a covenant with us. So listen in. So um, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6. For when God made a promise to Abraham, listen to this. Hebrews 6 and verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham... Because he could swear by no other, no one greater. <laughs> Everybody just perk up right now. He says, for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise because, of, uh, listen, uh, 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 he says, and so after he had patiently endured, after he had patiently endured. Now we're going to get to something a li little later, but I need you to understand something. Uh, hope, real Bible hope, hope, real Bible hope is not optimism. It's not happiness. It's not the elimin elimination of uh, hardships and any gospel that tells you that there are no challenges any gospel that tells you that we don't have to go through some 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 things in our life is not the gospel that we have that gospel tells us he says the hope is what allows us to go through the challenges you understand see optimism optimism is this boy I sure hope hope I don't get hit and the very moment we get hit with a challenge we lose, we get disappointed because we're not in for it for the long haul. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, when, when we're just happy about, oh, here we go, we're going to get there. Yeah, you're going to get there, but guess what? You're going to get hit along the way. <laughs> you, you're going to get hit. There's going to be some things that we're going to have to be challenged with. We're going to have to endure some stuff. But if we got hope and not just happiness, hope, not happiness. Because happiness will fade away as soon as you get punched in the gut. 
and your happiness is gone. And you wonder, well, I wasn't expecting this. I, I, I didn't sign up for this. And that's why many people endure but for a little while. The Bible talks about the seeds that are sown. So one seed is sown on this kind of ground, another seed is sown on another kind of ground, another seed is sown on another kind of ground, and then the one that seed that really grows is a seed that's sown into good ground that brings forth fruit at the right time. But all other seeds, they were seeds, but they got taken out because of, of, of uh, the cares of this world. Something came in and choked the word out, and so they didn't endure and so we're not talking about that kind of, of hope. You know, a lot of times, and I want to I warn you guys that are listening, you know, when this passes, and it will, when this passes, if you don't have the right kind of hope in the Word of God, you're going to go. <laughs> you're going to forget this Word. You're going to fly. You're going to say, okay, I don't have to believe God no more. No, yes, you do. Yes, you do. There's going to be other things that come. But you don't want just God just for the things that are coming. You want God in your life because he loves you. He wants to be a friend to you. He wants to be your father. He wants to nurture you all the way through life. He's not just a life raft. He will be that for you, but he's not just that. He really wants an intimate relationship with us. And if we seek him for who he is, really, then, then when any of that thing else comes, and it will, some other things will come, you won't get stared away. Now, so uh, verse, here we go back to uh, Hebrews 6, 13 through 18. It says, but, but surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus... God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. The immutability of his counsel. What is that? The unchanging nature of his counsel. God doesn't change. God doesn't change. He says, so he can show uh, the mutability, immutability of his counsel. He confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. That we may have strong consolation to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. Through these two immutable things, his promise and an oath. Now what is an oath? An oath is, is, a, is a swear, what, I, what you swear to. In other words, I, I, I give you my word. I swear to you on my life. That's what we're saying. On my life, I'll bring this to pass. On my life, I'm going to do this for you. You understand? It said, on, on, on God's life. On God's life. God has given us these promises on his own life. See, when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't that he just, he was, he was showing that this is a covenant and I have given you my life. I have laid down my life. So the, the word that says, uh, um, 
No greater friend than we have than this, than a man would do what? Lay down his life for his friend. That's covenant talk. That, see, see, listen. If, we know, if, if I lay down my life, won't I make my word good if I tell you then I'm going to give you $1,000? Is my life more than a th- worth more than $1,000? Is my life more than $10,000? So if I told you that on my life I'm going to give you $10,000, on my life I'm going to give you $10,000, then you have strong consolation. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to get there, but I want to say the uh, top part of that before we even get there. Jesus, God says, Paul says about Jesus, he says, if God spared not his own son, how will he not with him freely Give us all things. See, Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection is the guarantee of a better covenant. That's what we look, that's why we look back and find out what did God do? Well, he spared not his own son. Just like those lambs were not spared, just like those turtle doves were not spared, just like God swore by his own name. He swore, he, he's basically saying, if I don't come through for you, I take my own life. So what, what, why are we so fearful, man and woman of God? Why are we acting like the world is acting? We should not be. We should not be troubled by this. We should not be alarmed by this. The Bible says the end of all dispute is these two immutable promises. The promise that God has given us and the oath behind that promise to say, I will bring this to pass. Let's look at a few more scriptures. Let's look at, look at verse Romans chapter 18, uh, Romans chapter 8. I'm there a little earlier than what I anticipated getting there, but let's go there anyway. Romans chapter 8 verse 18 says, Yet what, we su- yet what we suffer now is nothing that can be compared to the glory we will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against his will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us all, give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies we, he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need ho- to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. So, so the, the, the word of God here is telling us, that what, what we are going through now uh, physically in our lives, uh, this, this time that we're going through right now, he said it's not to be compared to what we have hoped for, what, what's, what's coming to us. Now, in the midst of that, 
God has given us these wonderful, precious promises to protect us like an umbrella. See, a lot of times people think that, that God... I talked to, to about this with uh, my good friend uh, the other day, and we talked about this, this idea uh, of, of the, the virus and the curses and what, what, is, what exactly is happening here. Because some people think that, that the curse, that God is just angry right now, and, and because he's angry, he's throwing out curses like, a, like, a, like lightning. <laughs> You shoulda oughta. You shoulda oughta. You shoulda oughta. And, and, and wiping people out. No, the curse has always been here. <laughs> the curse has always been here. Curse has always been here. The land has always been fallen. It's always been around us. But, but God. So the Bible tells us that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And we've been redeemed, and so the curse has already been around us, but, but, but what we have is a separation from all of that which is around us. We have the Word of God. Does that mean that we go out and do a stuff, stupid stuff and not be precautious? No, that doesn't mean that. It means that we've been redeemed as long as we have the promises of God redeem us from the curse. That's our sure word of promise. And, and, and he's also saying, though we have to endure some things for a period of time, we go through some seasons of our life, maybe some hardships of our life. He says, the hope that we have tells us that no matter what happens to me, I'm always all right because I have a covenant with God. Always. So there's really nothing to fear. I mean, really, there's really absolutely nothing to fear. We have this wonderful hope that is a, has been guaranteed by the life of Jesus himself. So though the curse is all around us, don't you know that, that if the enemy could, he would have taken you out a long time ago? Don't you know that, that if the enemy really wanted to wipe you out, he would have done so already? Don't you know that God has resisted the works of the enemy and the works that are around us? You know, don't buy into this thought that, that God is wiping things out. Where there is a void of God, there is now a place where the enemy and all kinds of diseases and germs and viruses and that already existed, they, they exist. That's why you got to stay in the Word. The enemy is always trying to throw out different things uh, to pull us away from the Word, pull us away from the covenant of uh, promises because he knows if I can get you to step outside of the promises, I can get you because there's a curse outside of this. You see, if it's raining outside, it can be raining all day long. But if I got an umbrella, the rain won't touch me. So the rain is coming down, the storms are coming down, but I got an umbrella. I'm going to stay dry. I got a wetsuit. And this comes from the promises of God. That's why it's so vitally important for us to understand what we have in Christ Jesus. So let's look at Romans 8, the latter part of that. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, <clears throat> And the Holy Spirit helps our, our weaknesses. For example, we don't know uh, what, to, what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings which cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all, all, all hearts knows 
what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's, that's covenant talk. That, that, those words, and we, and we know because of what? Because of this hope we have, because of what? This confident expectation that we have. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, there's a little caveat there. All those who love God. And you know what it means to love God? It means to be obedient. It means to keep his word. That's what it means to love God. Love, in this case, is not emotional. It's not, it, it can lead to emotions, but it's not emotional. It is, I love God. I, I have a good understanding of God. I know how to love God. The reason we, uh, that these things work together for our good is because we love God or we do things in keeping with his word. And he says, and the Father who knows all, all hearts, um, and we know that God causes everything to work together for our good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And have, having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, covenant, if God is for us, that's covenant talk. Who can ever be against us? Since we, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute? or in danger, or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed, all killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for the day nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord.
That's all we really need, isn't it? And we just need the reality of what Christ has done in our lives. We need that as a reality ongoing in our lives. Man, he, he, he said, if I didn't spare my own son, if I made a covenant with you by, by having my own son lay down his life, I will freely give you all things. You're good. We're good. You're good. We're all good. We have the word of God. Now, we have to get that down on the inside of us, and we have to understand the covenant talk that God is speaking to us. He's saying, I'm on your side. I am on your side, George Logan. I am on your side. The person is listening to us through this, through this broadcast. God is on our side. N nothing. I don't care what it is. Nothing can separate. That's our hope. And we'll go through some other things later on uh, next week. But that's our hope. God has us through this. We need not have sleepless nights. We need not be overly concerned. We need not be bothered by the things that are going on around us because we have a covenant with God. We have a covenant God. Reminds me of this, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. This is a little story, and I always butcher it when I tell it, but it's okay. Um, there was a man who, um, two men actually, who got stranded on an island. I'm already starting out wrong. <laughs> I was already, I'm already starting. And the island was surrounded by the ocean. And, and, and so, so the island had a little hill on it. And these two men were on this island together. And they got shipwrecked on the island. Um, this is my story now. <laughs> and so, so the waters began to come and they, they got a little higher and, and they started to elevate and so each time the water came up they went up higher and higher and higher until they got to the very top and one of the guys said oh my gosh we're going to die we're going to die it's all over we're, we're dead we're doomed and one guy was just as calm as possible and he was just like, hey, it's going to be, it's gonna be okay. They had about this. They had enough land for the two of them to just sit there without the water uh, taking them over. And when the other guy, even as it got up to their waist, he said, that's okay. I got this. We're going to be all right. He said, how do you have so much confidence? The guy says, listen. He says, I'm a tither. And he says, yeah, so, so am I. I'm a tither as well. He says, but you don't understand. He says, I give over $1 million a month to my church. He says, yeah, but how's that going to help us right now? He says, you see, I know my pastor's going to come and find me. <laughs> All right, that didn't go over so well, but, you know, but I changed it up a little bit. But you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> in other words, his confidence was in the fact that he knew his pastor was going to get him. Well, in a, in, a very, in a very, very different way, we, knew that we know that we have a covenant with God, and we know that he is coming to get us. He will not abandon us. He's got us through this storm. And I, I really want to speak to that person out there who does not have this covenant with God. You may be a stranger to the promises of God, and, and you, you're living life as though uh, on wishful thinking is really what you're living it on. Wishful. I'm, I sure hope this, this ends well for me. I, I sure hope. You don't have to hope it that kind of way anymore. You can have a strong expectation, a confident expectation that no matter what happens in your life, God has you. 
and that the thing that could possibly happen to you is that you die and then he's really got you. So what? You're going to be with Jesus in heaven. I heard uh, a politician, an actual, uh, a governor of one of the states out there who said recently, he said, he was talking about the coronavirus and he said, he said, what's, what's, what's really bad? He said, people, he said, uh, you know, uh, they talk about the cure versus, what is it, the cure is, the, 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 the virus is, the cure is worse than the virus, something like that. Is that how the word ending is? Cure is worse. And he said, he said, well, that's just baloney. He said, what's worse, the worst thing that could ever happen to a man is death. And I listen, I'm like, no. Death is not the worst thing that could ever happen unless you're going to hell. Then it's the worst thing. But death for the believer is not the worst thing that could ever happen to us. Matter of fact, it's, an ele- it's a promotion. We actually move up. And so we are to live our lives to the full down here until such time that we should leave and go and be promoted into the kingdom of heaven. Paul said it like this, to die is gain. He said to die is gain. So, so what do we have to lose? God got us. We have his promises. We need not worry. And we should act like that. We should talk like that. Does that mean that we, take, that we mock uh, authority and mock? To, no, it doesn't mean any of that. We don't do stupid stuff. That's for people who are not thinking. Okay? You don't do that. Um, but what you do is you do honor authority. They have our best interest in mind. But you don't live scared. Don't live scared if you're a believer. Live with the promises of God. God is on our side. What can man do unto us? Thank you for listening this morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this time together this morning. I pray that the words that have been communicated this morning has helped someone uh, to turn to you, to receive um, this wonderful covenant we have in Christ Jesus. That in Christ, in Christ, you have kept us, you're keeping us, and you have a place and a destination for us that we need not fear. And you've given us great and precious promises even now that to, to keep ourselves from the curse that is already very prevalent and in this world uh, today. Uh, and so we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. And I pray for that person out there who needs Jesus to come into their life right now. God, there's no, no distance between you and what you're about to say, if you say these words, to confess Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, to invite him into your heart this day. There's a reason you're watching this program. There's a reason that you woke up. There's a reason you're listening right now. And it's that God is knocking on your door and he wants to come into your life. But he won't intrude. He will ask to come in so very gently and so very graciously. But allow him to come in. You won't, you won't ever be disappointed when you allow God to come into your life. And it's as simple as this. It is as simple as turning away from the old life and turning to the new life. That's what you're doing when you turn to Jesus Christ. You're, you're, you're uh, acknowledging that you are a sinner, or a person without a covenant with God. And you're turning to God to receive a covenant with him through Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, the Lord, the Master Jesus, and, and receive him uh, and confess him as Lord and and speak it out of our mouths. He said, we shall be saved. So I want to give you that opportunity right now. Say these words with me. Uh, God in heaven, your word tells me that if I will confess with my mouth 
the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead, that I shall be saved. Jesus, come into my life today. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. I turn from my old life, and now I turn to you. And I receive this new covenant that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.